Hey mamas, it's Megan, your host here at the VBAC Link. I am so excited to get into our amazing episode today, but before we do, I wanted to do a quick Q&A on my number one most asked question, which is how do I prepare for a VBAC? I know it's a lot to unpack, but here are some of the top answers for you. Find a VBAC supportive provider and make sure you are getting the right nutrition. This includes getting optimal amounts of protein, vitamins, and minerals to support a healthy VBAC pregnancy. I personally recommend Needed's prenatals to all of my clients and to this amazing community of ours. Head to thisisneeded.com to get 20% off with code VBAC20. That is thisisneeded.com, code VBAC20. Hello, Women of Strength. It is Megan. I am bringing another VBAC story to you, for you today. I always do that, to you, for you. It is for (laughs) you today. We have our friend Grace, and she is actually from New York, right? Yes, New York. So that I feel like too is something that I want to start highlighting on on the podcast because we have a lot of people being like, well, where are they from? And I want, you know, I want that provider. How possible is it for me to get that provider? So, so she's from New York, everybody. So if you are from New York, definitely listen up extra, you know, sharp on this one. Um, And yeah, so she's going to share her, her traumatic C-section story and her healing VBAC. And it just tickled me like so much when she said in the beginning, when we were chatting that this podcast truly helped her so much. It just, it truly is so heartwarming to hear those things because this is exactly why I'm still doing this podcast is because I want everyone to have these stories to be able to feel empowered to learn along the way because I think in addition to inspiring these podcasts really truly inform and educate we can learn from other people's stories we can be like oh I didn't even know that was a thing because that is also you know birth even though it's like really kind of the same birth you know it's just the same concept our cervix gets to 10 centimeters we get 100 yep. percent effaced our baby comes out and through our pelvis and right. we push a baby out yep. um <laughs> it's just treated so differently truly all worldwide and yeah. that's what's kind of crazy to me still that we haven't like caught up to evidence-based birth in every state or country and we do things so differently. And so I think that's something really cool too, to learn um, where people are from so we can learn how birth looks like in that state or in that country. So we're gonna read a review of the week and then we are going to turn the time over to our cute friend Grace to share her <laughs> stories. Yay. Okay, so this is from Steph Meb, M-E-B, pause, and then her title is Positive Stories inspire birthing women it says as a VBAC mama myself i have to say that one of the things i that drew strength from the most positive were the most positive birth stories i wish this existed with my previous babies and cannot wait to listen and gain strength from the stories that we are blessed enough to have one another sharing says what a beautiful thing to have and it all is in one place Yes. I love that she highlighted that. That is something that we love to do here at the VBAC. That's what link, that's why we like created it is we mm-hmm. wanted you to have 
all the things, the stories, the information, the education, the resources, all in one place. Because I too, when I was going for my VBAC, had a hard time scrambling all over the place trying really? to find out the information. So these ladies are really blessing and inspiring birthing women. VBAC or not. Yeah. I love that. Thank you 100%. so much. And as always, we love your reviews. They truly make us smile. They keep us going. I even still to this day will get a review and send it over to Julie so she can see okay. that her her the legacy from her is still carrying on today. So if you haven't left us a review, we would love one. You can help us on Google. If you just Google the VBAC link, you can leave us a review there. It helps everyone out there looking for VBAC to find us, to find this podcast, to hear these amazing stories or on Apple Podcasts and you could even email them. So um, yes, yeah. thank you so much for your review. You are tuned into the VBAC Link Podcast with Megan Heaton, who is a longtime doula and VBAC mom herself, here to help you get inspired for birth after having had a C-section. Along with this podcast, the VBAC Link offers blogs, resources, and a comprehensive VBAC course for both parents preparing for birth and doulas wanting to take their VBAC education to the next level. Be sure to follow Megan and her team on all social media platforms for even more. Although these podcast episodes are VBAC specific, it is encouraged for all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a C-section from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here is your host, Megan. Okay, Grace. So before we were talking, we talked about not the best C-section experience. Horrible. We talked about being COVID positive, which that is something that was a really hard time and and we're still having covid right covid's not going away so i think that this is also a really good thing to hear like what things to do or what things to know if you're covid positive fortunately the hospital system has you know changed uh, yeah <laughs> changed <laughs> substantially um yeah. since then i was probably one of the most angry people person i should say that i've ever been i I was a very angry person during COVID, watching what was happening to my clients, what was being told to my clients. Oh my God. It was heartbreaking to see, and yeah. I can't imagine going through that. So if you are a COVID mama birther, um, whether you had COVID or not, just know that I'm sending you so much love because I know you went through hell a lot of the time. So, so yeah, and then you had a redemptive VBAC. So I'm going to turn the time over to you to share okay. with our listeners your stories. Awesome. Yeah. So oh, just going back, so it's been about since my first birth, which was a C-section, it's been about my son's three and a half. So it's been some time, but it's crazy. So trying to like go over what happened before the, I started the recording with you, just so I had all my, my points down. I'm like, I started to cry at one point because it was just mm -hmm. so traumatic. Now I, I, I don't know if other women have gone, gotten as like traumatized as I have, but I'm sure some have because it just was terrible. So I'm wondering right here, maybe that's why it's good. I, I had everything written down. I want to know where I like where I should start. Cause there's just so much. Yeah. So, so again, so I was COVID positive. So this was 2020 and this was like right when COVID started becoming like so serious that they shut everything down. So like March, April, 2020 is, you know, I had to start working from home. And at that point I was honestly seven months, six months pregnant. And this was my first baby. 
So, you know, I didn't think anything of it, you know, COVID at the time, it's like, it was scary, but because of my age and, you know, I didn't have any other conditions, like I wasn't a diabetic or anything where COVID could be, you know, really scary. So mm-hmm. my husband and I, we were just isolating the way we're supposed to. And because I'm, t- I'm a teacher and, you know, we didn't have to go into work. So it was actually kind of nice. I got to work from home and I would go on really long walks and just mm-hmm. enjoying my, the end of my pregnancy and, um, you know, nothing was phasing me and I had a regular OB, you know, and I picked this OB. Why did I pick this OB? I think it was that I wanted to give birth at this hospital that when mm-hmm. I was picking hospitals in my area was, I was told this hospital has the best NICU. And I'm like, oh, okay. yeah. yeah. So I'm not, you know, I had no reason to think my baby should need a NICU, but when you're picking, you're like, what are those pros and nice. cons? Right. So I picked that one and I went with the OB practice that was connected with that one. And it was, I think, private and a few and there was a lot of providers in that practice and a few people did say they're like just so you know I think it's like very common a lot of women get c-sections there and I already had knew two women who went there both had c-sections warning sign number one right if you're hearing people say that particular provider or practice or practice is likely to give you a c-section like just be aware of that right yeah yeah didn't didn't listen to that right so you know probably mid-April I started losing my sense of smell and, you know, immediately I'm like, I'm weak. I might have COVID. And it, my husband and I, about a few weeks earlier than that, we did have a, like five days where we weren't feeling great. We were tired. We were run down. We kept thinking maybe it's COVID, but our symptoms were super mild, like mm-hmm. no fever, no difficulty breathing, none of the mm-hmm. like, and remember 2020, like early 2020, everybody was like petrified of COVID and expecting it to be like the super terrible terrible thing like you're gonna go on a respirator and like all these things so you know we had that one week we weren't feeling great and then mid-april which was a few weeks after that i lost my sense of smell so i was like crap like i I might have covid oh i hope i can say that um yeah you can i just said hell so crap is good (laughs) (laughs) okay good um anyway so you know, I, I called my OB and I called a few other people. I said, you know, I, I don't know what to do. I think I, you know, my last sentence was, no, I feel fine. I felt fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like, okay, you know, isolate for two weeks. Let us know how you're doing. And I did. We were. We weren't going anywhere. We were just working from home. Yeah. I'd, go, I'd go out with my mask, right? My gloves. We did all the things then, um, but we didn't really go to stores or anything. So then those few months go by. Oh, and this is something I didn't want to forget to mention. Even at 20 weeks of my pregnancy, Almost every appointment I went to, whether it was like a checkup or a sonogram, they started saying your baby is very big. Mm. Very big. You know, or, you know, he's going to be, he's, not that they would give me a weight, but they're like, he's going to be a big baby. He's going to be a big baby. Mm. And it was a boy. So like I was big in the front, you know, mm-hmm. and I was gaining weight, which was, you know, concerning me. So Also I, normal <laughs> to right. gain weight. Yeah. Right. Totally normal, but like when they said that, when they started saying that to me so early, mm-hmm. I like, and and at the time, my sister had her first, and her son was, I want to say, eight pounds something, you know, and she really struggled to get him out. Like, I'm not going to say her story, but the things that she had to go through to get him out were tough. Mm-hmm. So um, she didn't have a C-section. So when I started hearing, oh, he's too big, like, it started making me kind of like concerned, like, I hope I could get him out, right? Again, another, another like 
foreshadowing of you're not seeing the right people because they shouldn't be saying that to you. No. They should just be letting the baby get to where it needs to get and mm-hmm. letting you know everything's going to be fine. So we're going through the isolation. Time's going by. I'm getting into my third trimester. As we all know, women who've been pregnant, when you're getting to the end, you start to lose your mind. You start to get very vulnerable. You start to be like, please get this baby out of me. And by that point, I was rotating OBs, so I I met everyone because you don't know which OB you're going to get. So I went to this one OB, and he was the main OB of a girlfriend. She, like, would only want to see him. And he he did make a comment that was bad bedside manners, and it should have been an indicator that we don't, this guy's not looking out for you. He said, oh, you're having a boy? Uh, we don't like when you ladies have boys. Oh! Yeah, he said that Whoa. to me. And I, like, giggled out of awkwardness, but I'm like, yeah. after leaving, I went, who's that to somebody? Yeah. Like, yeah, like, hey. I don't like that. I don't I, like that at all. I, I didn't like it either, and I think that was the first time I had seen him. I only had seen him twice during my whole pregnancy. And then the last time was the time right before I got admitted to the hospital. And it was at 40 weeks. I think I went in to see them and he goes, okay. He's like, you like, again, your baby's really big. You know, you, you let's give it a few more days and you know, then we'll schedule an induction for you. Mm-hmm. And like, and, and you know, at the end of your pregnancy, you're like, oh, fine. Yeah. Get it out. Vulnerable. I don't even, yeah. <laughs> vulnerable. And like, so because my sister had gotten induced, that January mm-hmm. inducing didn't seem like any kind of fearful thing to me. And I had heard stories of women getting induced and getting a C-section, but I, I just kept thinking like, well, I went to I'm full term, you know, I'm healthy. There's nothing wrong. And I, mm-hmm. and they, again, I didn't want my baby to get too big. Right. I kept putting that yeah. thought in my yeah. mm-hmm. He schedules me the induction. And right when I tell my mom, my mom had five kids all natural, never had any chemicals put in her body ever. So when I tell my mom they failed in my induction, she flipped out. She was like, no, mm-hmm. like a, another warning sign for me that I should have listened to. Like, don't let them get you. Don't do the Pitocin. Don't do it. It's not good for you. You don't need it. Your, your labor is going to be really hard. It's going to be really long. Like telling me don't, this is a terrible decision. Meanwhile, like, but they're telling me this baby's going to get too big. I don't want it to get any bigger. I don't want to go scary. too far. And mm-hmm. it's scary, right? And they do say, right, risks go up after, once you go after the 40 weeks, all those things. But I do it anyway. And so go to the induction. We get to the hospital. We're, they're like, oh, you know, you have to do a COVID test when you get there. And I, I, I thought it was a good thing. I'm like, oh, good. They're like making sure the COVID people are separate. Like it's such a good thing. Mm-hmm. No thought in my mind that I would ever be positive, ever. I felt perfectly fine. We were keeping ourselves in the house, wearing the mask, doing all the things. So they do the test. Meanwhile, my husband and I are like sharing a water bottle in the room, right? And then they were taking a really long time to get back in the room. And I remember thinking like, that's not good. Like, where where are these people? Like, you know, we, we took the test at least 30 minutes ago and these tests don't take that long. They come back in full get up, all three, the OB and the two nurses, full get up of the gown, everything. And immediately I my like heart sunk. And they're like, so turns out, you know, you're COVID positive. Your husband is COVID negative, so he can stay. Because if he was COVID positive, he would have had to go home. Mm. So, yeah. So I, I'm hearing this. I'm starting to freak out. And remember, my first, this is my first birth. I'm a first-time mom. I'm already petrified of giving birth in general. So hearing that, I'm like, oh, my God, oh, my God. 
And then they tell us that the policy that day, because the policy with COVID patients was changing like every day. They were like, so if you're COVID positive as a mother, you're not allowed to do skin to skin and you're not allowed to breastfeed your baby. And you're only allowed to hold your baby two times a day for 15 minutes. Shut up. That's what they told you? That's what they did. That was their policy. No. See, this is why I was the angriest doula, like, in my life. That's the angriest time I've ever been, is this stuff. That doesn't even make sense. It made no sense, especially because I kept thinking, like, I'm bringing the baby home with me. Uh-huh. I'm going to be 100%. I'm going to nurse this baby. I'm going to have this baby on me. If I was like coughing and had a fever and like runny nose and like had all of these horrible contagious symptoms, obviously it's like, yeah, like I shouldn't maybe hold my baby. I don't want to get my baby sick. Right. And at that mm-hmm. time, COVID is scary. So it's like, okay, if I'm like this COVID positive, like deadly looking patient, fine. Like I get it. Baby's safety first. But I was fine. Like I said, I was like sharing germs with my husband who was negative. And I I kept saying, I go, please retest, please. Like, clearly these tests are wrong. And I actually Mm -hmm. did all this research that the the COVID positive, like, gene or or, uh, swab or whatever it is in you will stay in you for months. And I was pregnant. Like, my immune system was not what it normally is. Well, and you were pregnant, meaning you were sick. You had the antibodies. Guess who has the antibodies when we're like. Babies inside of you. There's no, like, I don't actually know the evidence, so I can't say there's no way, but in my head, it doesn't, it doesn't like connect. There's a disconnect there. Like, how did baby not? Yeah. Anyway, you were the same human. I mean, human and human during that time. Yeah. And like you said, like, so not only could I not do the skin to skin, but neither could my husband, which again, antibodies, all of the healthy things. So my baby really didn't get any human skin touch until he got home, which was mm. like three days later. I'm so and sorry. And, and I, yeah, I mean, I know he's fine, but there's always these things. Now he's three and a half that when he has sensory issues or anything, I always go back to how his birth was mm. just horrible because mm. there's, there's obviously there's more. So that hits me like a ton of bricks and I'm just devastated and I'm like calling all my family. I can't see any family, right? No one can come to the hospital and I'm just crying. I'm, I'm already, it's like, it's like the downhill is starting. Um, mm-hmm. So so that happens, right? And I, I have to just, over the few hours that I'm there getting everything set up, I have to come to terms with, I can't have skin to skin, I can't nurse, and it's just, I don't know how I'm going to handle that. Still thinking about it makes me really upset. Yeah, um, even the nursing too, like, those are yeah. good antibodies, strong, like, we that's helps our babies. Yeah, I know, it's completely backwards. And I also felt the OB that was there, she was actually no one I had met before. She didn't really even seem concerned. She was just mm. like, like totally, what's the word? Um, oh, there's a word I, I, I use when it comes to like these healthcare workers in the hospitals. They're like desensitized. That's the mm-hmm. word. So, like desensitized to my reaction, to my husband, to all of it. They were mm-hmm. just like, yep, this is how it is. Like, whatever. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so they, they get us in the room. We had to be locked in the room. Anytime another nurse came in or whatever, we had to put a mask on. Meanwhile, the nurses, again, every time they came in a room, full get up, right? So obviously I was a patient that they already kind of didn't want there. That's how you kind of felt. The nurses weren't nasty or anything, but they give you the vibe of, oh, great. She's hitting the button. We got to go help the girl with the whole get, you know? And I know I'm not the only COVID positive one there, but it's like, you don't want to feel that. You don't want to feel like that type of a patient. 
So, you know, they start me on the Pitocin and it's, it's like, we're trying to get through it. We're watching TV. The contractions weren't too bad getting through it. I, and I'm moving around like crazy. The, the first nurse I had made a joke. She's like, I've never seen a pregnant woman move around as much as you. <laughs> I was trying so hard to get progression going. Movement is good. Yeah. Yeah. We should be um, moving around in labor. A hundred percent. I mean, I had to do it in my room. I couldn't go anywhere, but stunk, but. So I'm doing all I can do, right? So hours are going by. Again, you know, Pitocin, it's like, it's slow to go. And um, I think after I'd say maybe 10 hours of it, I finally go, I am so tired and I'm not really progressing. I think I was only like two centimeters after like 10 hours. And I'm like, I'm so tired. And like, I was feeling contractions at that point that were, you know, enough that I, I was, I needed a break. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I then just said, fine, let's, so this is another warning sign that I should have said no to. I was only two centimeters. She comes in and maybe it wasn't 10 hours yet. Maybe it was like eight hours. She comes in she texts me. She's like, yeah, she's like, you're only two centimeters, you know, and she suggested to break my water. And she mm-hmm. goes, yeah, like that'll get things going. And I'm like, oh, great. Break my water. Like totally that. Let's do it. Now I shouldn't have done that <laughs> <laughs> and I had read books and I had learned things. But again, like you don't even, it's like all, it all goes out, out of your mind when you're trying to have a baby and get, get from A to B and yep. you're uncomfortable and you don't have support around you and all the things. And already my vulnerability was so high because of the COVID and, and the, the fact that I could Oh, yeah. So at that point, I said, great, break my water. Two centimeters. Who does that? Crazy. What was I thinking? Right. You're not alone. You're not crazy because you didn't know what you you weren't in the space to make a a better informed with quotes decision. You were being told by your medical staff this is what yep. could help. So you were not crazy. Offer yourself some grace. Yeah. But yeah, it's just one of those things that we take as a learning experience and a you know, a nugget for next time. Yes. And that's, I think, what's upsetting is that she knew that my OB knew that not that she, she technically wasn't who I would consider my OB because my, the one woman I was seeing each time was, I don't think would have done that to me, but because the attending OB, the attend, exactly. It's like whoever you get in that, like Russian roulette Mm -hmm. lottery of that day, she didn't even know me. She clearly didn't even care about me. Oh, and she also made a horrible comment to me that day. So I don't remember if it was before or after she broke my water. I think it was after because it was it was after it was like so so she breaks my water, contractions are going again and they're way more intense, right? And I'm at that point, like I said, so much time has gone by that I'm exhausted. And I think maybe around ten hours, it's like I don't totally remember exactly, but I think it was ten hours that I finally said, Let me get an epidural because I can't take it mm-hmm. anymore. I need I need sleep. And then after I get the epidural, I'm in bed and I feel like either the next morning or maybe it was the night right before she's right before I go to sleep, I was crying to her and saying I just I'm really upset is there anything we could do I really would like to skin to skin with my baby like I said wrap me in the garbage bag I don't care like I I really hate that I can't have that with the baby and she looked at me and said well you don't want to give your baby COVID like that and I I couldn't believe she said that to me and it was like I was and I was crying already and I like I'm like of course not like it made me cry more like how could you put that out there and uh, mm-hmm. like look at me right now if it were you and it was your baby how would you feel that you couldn't you got this taken away from you and mm-hmm. i felt perfectly fine i'm like obviously there's it's not me like my husband just took a test and he was negative like clearly it just and for her to say that to me i was like i i didn't want her back in the room i really didn't yeah um 
So epidural convent. I was under the impression, again, looking at my sister's birth, that the epidural, like, I go to sleep, wake up nine centimeters, and I wouldn't even feel mm. anything. I don't know. Again, because my sister did something similar. I don't think she woke up super dilated, but she definitely progressed after mm-hmm. she had gotten rest and gotten her epidural. So it's like, you know what? Maybe that's what I need. And my water was already broke, right? Mm-hmm. So I get my epidural. I go to sleep. I get some rest. And then the next morning, the OB comes in, and I'm like, you know, relaxed, I'm calm, checks me, and I'm only three and a half centimeters. So I barely moved. And very disappointing. I'm like, I like couldn't even handle it. I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, I have more time. Like, there's more time now. Like, yeah. okay. It's okay, right? But then, yeah, no, just sat there, didn't didn't progress again. And so this is some, another warning sign, right? The OB comes in around quarter to four, right? And I remember hearing this on other podcast episodes that it's like that 5.30 p.m. C-section time, right? <laughs> it's before it that happen. end of day. Yeah. I mean, listen, maybe it was coincidental, but given the fact that she comes in, she checks me, she's like, listen, you don't have much more time because you broke your water however many hours ago. I don't remember the amount of hours after you mm-hmm. break the water. I don't, you probably know. I don't remember. Well, there's... There's a lot of other factors than just the time is like, are we having signs of infection? How is baby doing? How is mom doing? Are we making change in other areas? You know, so after six hours of, of, you know, of like getting in labor six hours after water has been broken, if no progress, they'll start discussing things, but doesn't always need to be a C-section. Oh, so she definitely gave me a lot of time. If that's, you know, she gave me more than six hours, but you know, I wasn't progressing at all. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't really know. And I, I will be honest, my timeline might be a little funky because of how long yeah. it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, but I, this I do remember because of the time he was born. He was born at four. Oh, my gosh. I should know the exact time. I think it was like 436, something like oh, that. Whoa, like really fast after. Well, that's just it, right? So she comes in. You're not progressing. You really don't have much more time before we're going to have to give you a C-section. Otherwise, the safety of the baby is going to be at risk, right? Mm -hmm. And once she says that to me, Mm -hmm. I'm like freaking out, right? Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm like, you know what? And and a lot of women I had spoken to before said C-sections are no big deal. Oh, it's fine. Like, don't be afraid of them. They're they're fine. And like, at that point, I said, you know, I'm already going through kind of hell right now. Like, let's just do it. Let's Mm -hmm. just get the baby out. So... It's so crazy how they're so slow to do so many things. But the moment I find that form, you know, operating room is ready to go. Team's ready to go. It's like, it's like within seconds, they're so mm-hmm. ready to get you on that operating table. Get It's almost like they want to get you out of the door. She wants to get out of the door. And we all know C-sections, right? They're going to bill your insurance way more than if you just had the baby naturally, which I hate to think that's how a provider would think. But given the time and given everything that had happened, it's like, what else am I going to think now? Like, Clearly, you guys, it's not clear, but I feel like that was a piece of it, that they were just trying to get me in and out, especially because mm-hmm. I was COVID positive. Oh, which on the operating table, she yelled that out, too. Just know this this patient's COVID positive to, like, the whole staff. Like, again, like, I'm this diseased person that's in the room. Mm-hmm. Like, meanwhile, yeah. again, I was walking around like a perfectly healthy person. Like, it just, just so awful. So, taking me to C-section, and I hope I'm not being... I hope I'm not sharing too much and talking about things that aren't, you know, meaning um, that don't have meaning, but I guess I have to live through it a little bit. You These know, have meaning. You're it. sharing them. We can feel it. 
Yeah. Okay. Now, at that point, right after, during the C-section, you're on a lot of pain meds. So I, you know, I come out of the operating room. Everything's fine. I'm not having any issues. I didn't, like, throw up or anything. And all I wanted was to see and hold my baby. I heard the baby cry. My husband got to kind of see the baby. No one got to hold the baby just yet. We get we get in the room. They immediately put the baby, I think, in the isolate. This is the this is at the time where if you were COVID positive, the baby could be in the room with you, but in am I saying right? An isolate is that what it's called? It's mm, like like another room. N- no, it's, you know when for NICU babies, they're in like this kind of. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I do know what you're talking. I don't know what it's called actually. Okay. I feel like maybe it's called an isolate. And that was what the rule was, was that when you were COVID positive, your baby would stay in the isolate. You couldn't hold the baby mm-hmm. unless it was for those two times throughout the day for 15 minutes. So he he went into that. And then, you know, my husband came in. And I think that the attending nurse Wait, had at that time. Well, your husband wasn't with you in the C-section? No, no, no. He was. Oh. But like, I'm on a bed. Like, oh, I'm just gotcha. trying to, like, sorry, mm-hmm. go through it again. Yeah, so the whole time I kept thinking, I just want to hold him. Please just let me hold him. Okay, I won't do skin to skin. I'm, I'm going to follow all your rules. Like, whatever. Just let me hold him. It's my brand new baby. And again, I'm a first-time mom. I do mm-hmm. think, regardless if you are or not, I, I totally get it. It could be your fourth baby. You would feel that way. But, like, when my mom had, I think, my sister, who was her second, even she was like, you know, the nursery can have her. Like, I, I need rest. Like, there is a sense of, like, I've been there, done that. I don't necessarily have that need to hold them in that moment but as a first time mom being my first baby that was all i wanted in the world just just hold Mm -hmm. the baby i'm going to take a quick break from our amazing episode today to continue talking about preparing for a v-back i mentioned needed earlier and i just wanted to expand on why i suggest them they offer radically better nutrition products They offer the most comprehensive prenatal that's available in both a delicious tasting vanilla powder and in capsule form. And don't just take my word for it. The women in our VBAC community have fallen in love with their products too and are noticing a difference in their energy, digestion, and their mood. Just like we talk about making sure your provider is VBAC supportive or not, I suggest you do the same with your prenatals. Here's the deal. 95% of women in the prenatal stages have nutrient deficiencies. Most prenatal vitamins include the bare minimum nutrition based on outdated guidelines and stale research. We deserve to thrive, not just survive. Needed offers radically better nutrition products, education, and advocacy rooted in clinical research and practitioner validation. Their products are third-party tested and backed by clinical insights from over 4,000 practitioners. They are thoughtful about every ingredient using exactly what is needed in bioavailable forms. And this is important because you and your baby deserve the best. If you are not already one of the hundreds of women in our Women of Strength community using Needed as your prenatal, consider switching to Needed. Get 20% off your order by using VBAC20 at checkout. You can visit that at thisisneeded.com and use code VBAC, V-B-A-C, 2-0 at checkout. So this one nurse comes in. I don't know. I think she was just like a, a post-delivery nurse, and she was very tough. Because I was like, please, like, can I hold him now? And she goes, well, you need to wash your hands. You're COVID positive, like nasty. And I'm like, okay, like, fine. So she And I, like, can't move, right, because I just had surgery. 
they bring me over like this bucket of soap and everything and I'm washing my hands and I'm just constantly looking at him trying to get him and like she yelled at me mm. she's like you're not washing your hands enough and then she was like I was an ER nurse during COVID like you have to take this seriously like just kind of berating me and I was just hor- it was so horrible mm. but, they, but they did finally let me hold him and it was great and um you know but it was obviously short-lived and then after that, they took him, and then, like, the nurse had to feed him out of a bottle, which, like, I wanted a breastfeed. I didn't want to mm-hmm. give him any formula. And I remember just seeing her sitting there with him thinking, like, I'm so sorry. Uh, thinking that, like, I failed, like, my body failed. And mm-hmm. this woman has to feed my baby for me, and I'm right here. Like, I can do it. Like, I couldn't even give him the bottle. Like, it was just, I just mm-hmm. felt like such a failure in that moment. Yeah. <laughs> I did not think I was going to start crying. But just to see a stranger do that, it's just, it just really upset me and then um and that was pretty much that and right then right so i was there and then she was then that nurse would come in and feed him every i think like 15 minutes you know with the baby you have to feed him like every 30 minutes or something and, mm-hmm. but then that moment when she first did it i thought like oh that was just such a failure um mm, not a failure no i know my husband was like, he had no idea what was going on. They never really do. Um, and he was very much like, we have to listen to the hospital, you know, because like when they would leave the room, essentially, I was like, give me the baby. I was like, let me just hold him. Like, what are they going to do? There's no cameras. And even if there were like, what are they going to do? Kick me out? I just got cut open. Like, mm-hmm. him. like I, I was honestly, I was so ready to break those rules. The baby was going to be right there. But my husband was like, listen, don't do that. He's like, they could walk in. You could get in so much trouble. He didn't know what could happen. Yeah. So we did so we had to just follow the rules and you know, he got to hold the baby, but every time he picked up the baby he had to put on like a new thing of gloves, his mask, and a gown and like, you know, he ended up having to feed the baby because he was allowed to. Um and that started to drive him crazy because he was also on like no sleep. Um mm-hmm. and if you going back like from when we got to the hospital to when we had the C section, it had already been about two days of time where mm-hmm. We were just there, right? He wasn't really getting the best of sleep. So he was already, he has had so much going on. So now he mm-hmm. had to care for this newborn baby. He's like never held a baby in his life, right? Mm-hmm. So that ended up being what was going on at that point. Now at this point, the epidural was still, was still in me and I wasn't in any kind of crazy pain. So then the nurse comes in. She's this newer nurse. She's actually very nice. And she's like, listen, she goes, I have a... Uh, few other pills. I don't remember where they were, but then she goes, and I have roxycodone for the pain. And I was like, you know, I really don't want to take any opiates because I am going to try to breastfeed when I get home and I am pumping. I don't want to have any opiates in my system. And mm-hmm. I'm saying this with the epidural still in my system. And she looked at me like, okay. And I had a Motrin allergy. I can't take ibuprofen. Mm-hmm. So all I was taking at the time was Tylenol. Mm-hmm. So she gives me, I think, probably the Tylenol at that point, and the epidural's still there. And I'm like, this will be fine. Yeah, I'll just take Tylenol. What a dumb, dumb thing to think. And when that epidural wore off, I don't know how many hours later, uh, I was in so much pain, I, I could barely talk. And the Motrin and Tylenol, they work together, because some women don't take the, the opiate. But the working together helps a lot. But when I wasn't getting Motrin, all I had was Tylenol. It just mm. was so, so painful that she got to my room and I look at her. I go, you need to get me the Roxycodone right now. Like, I can't, I can't move. Like, I, I'm in serious, serious pain now. So she gets it for me. But the thing is, this pain. Oh, I'm sorry if you hear that. That's my, it's my, fine. Um, my, 
parentheses. So by with pain, when you don't catch up to pain and you have like the pain meds in your system, it's like you kind of can never stay on top of pain. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So like chasing it, you're chasing it. So even with the roxycodone in my system, it's like the pain would finally subside. But then once it came back, it came back so bad that it was like, I just never felt okay anymore. I just constantly was uncomfortable and in pain. And those moments when the, when the meds would wear off to get your new set of meds, I could barely talk. Like I was just, Mm -hmm. it was so intense. And then also when you have surgery, you could get gas like that radiates up to your Mm -hmm. shoulder. And that was like, insanely painful and the night nurse ended up being late with the oxycodone at that point and it was like 3 a.m and my husband's sitting next to me and he, he couldn't even sleep because he was so worried about me because i'm telling you like I, that pain i just i, I couldn't was i wasn't myself anymore um mm-hmm. i don't know if other women with c-sections have gone through anything like that but it was just really bad and he was sitting next to me. It was like 3 a.m. And he was like, I'm really worried I'm going to like lose you. And I go, mm-hmm. I actually I think muttered. I was like, I think I'm going to die. Like I, that's mm-hmm. how intense it was. Because she was like, again, she was a solid 45 minutes late with the medication. And again, with pain meds, if it's not in your system, it's like you feel literally everything. Mm-hmm. So that made it even more intense and horrible on top of everything else. All the emotion, all the fact that I didn't even want a C-section. And just it just kept spiraling into just horribleness mm-hmm. i will say one positive tidbit though that i that i look back on and i remember is that the attending nurse i had um during my the day of my c-section who actually came in after she's so sweet and she knew i did want to breastfeed so she was trying to help me get the colostrum to give to the baby and one uh thing my sister told me to do is she goes make sure before you are planning on giving birth that you start eating lactation cookies and like getting mm. your supply to come in. And because I had done that, when I showed up and she went to get colostrum, it like, there was tons of it. She was like in mm. shock. She was like, she was so happy to, and she was a bit older, like almost like kind of, you could tell old school. And she mm-hmm. was like, like, I've never seen anything like this. This is amazing. And I, and it Aww. made me feel somebody like had faith in me and like, didn't yeah. feel like some diseased, horrible person. Like that's just what I felt the whole time. So that was nice having that moment. But, um, yeah, so, you know, then the, um, so then that was with the pain with, you know, that was starting to make the whole experience really bad. So we ended up leaving a day early and even the day we left, uh, like I said, the pediatrician made a point to me cause I was, she was telling me about the baby, things to do about the baby and everything. And I go, I'm still really worried. Like I have, you know, I'm COVID positive. I, I don't want to get the baby sick and everyone's making it like I'm going to get the baby sick. And like, what should I do? Should I hold, can I hold the baby? Can I do these things as a baby? And she looked at me, she goes, of course you can. She's like, you're going to take your baby home and you're going to nurse your baby. And you're going to hold your baby. She's like, wear a mask. And don't like, almost like looking at me, like this hospital's crazy. These policies mm. are horrible. Like almost, but because it's so routine for them. And again, they're desensitized to everything. It just, I wasn't getting that from anyone else. It was just her. Mm-hmm. And it did, it made me really look back and think how stupid that they put me through this, that I, I don't mm-hmm. even know. Like, I think there were some COVID positive mothers that their babies had to go in another room and they couldn't even see them at all. Like, mm-hmm. so, I mean, I'm sure you've heard other mm-hmm. horrible stories. So we go, we get to leave. And my husband at that point had no sleep either. He was on, it was like maybe three, four days we were there and he was on no sleep. And I was really on no sleep because I was in so much pain 
we get home. My mom opens the door because she was waiting there for us to help us. And my mother was really upset too. She was like crying all night that I was going through any of that. And she looked at me and was just like, oh my God, like what did they do to you? Are the dark circles under my eyes? Because it's just not mm. just being exhausted, but the crying, like, yeah. so, yeah. So I'm, sh- I'm going to say, I'm sure you instantly yeah. knew, like, you wanted a different experience next time. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, I wanted it different and, you know, I have a beautiful, healthy baby, right? So it's not like it was the worst experience it could have been. It's just, it wasn't at all what I wanted or Uh what I thought it would have been or that it really should have been. Like, Mm -hmm. so many things went wrong. And I did take a lot of blame that, you know, I should have researched providers better. I should have researched the policies better. I just, I didn't know, you know, and... You mm-hmm. never think it's going to happen to you. You think everything's nope. going to be fine. <laughs> so it's not like, so my one girlfriend, I think she had a placenta previa. Is that where the placenta mm-hmm. right? So something like that. So she said, I immediately knew I was having a C-section. Like there was no question there. And I feel like, okay, that's one thing. Like you have, you know, a physical limitation yeah. that is very dangerous that, okay, perfect, fine. You have to have a C-section. It's fine. But when you're just put in this horrible, like what, like hamster wheel of, horribleness that they already know you're going to have a c-section and they don't even care it's just it's just so long mm-hmm. and then like the covid positive on top of it was just it was just really really hard and like my husband said that he goes honestly grace the c-section wouldn't have bothered you as much had you been able to actually hold your baby and mm-hmm. get all of that positive adrenaline and endorphins in your body it would have helped you probably heal faster mm-hmm. and then like so when i brought him home we had to get him to latch and that was a whole other hurdle but i did you know, I had a lot of nursing issues with him because he had like this late torticollis. He had all these mm-hmm. issues, but I, I totally powered through and I still did it. But like now with my daughter, which can, I'm sharing to her, my mm-hmm. story, right? Sorry, I'm saying, I hope I'm not talking to much. So with her, like I had no, no issues, like nurse fine, like it's just a thriving, wonderful, beautiful baby. And I totally believe that it's because of the birth with her. And it went so differently that it just was so much better for me. It was better for mm-hmm. her. It was better for my husband. It just it was better probably for my son too. Like, so that was my horrible, horrible C-section birth. Mm, I think I'm so I think sorry. I everything. I'm sorry too. I keep like I keep talking. Um, yeah, no, it was horrible. I mean, you know, looking back, I'm sure it was. I've learned so much. Hopefully, other women can learn from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope I covered all of those, like, you know, warning signs I want women to look out for. Uh, I don't know if I did. Hopefully I did. But, yeah, I mean, and my heart goes out to those COVID-positive mothers that went through something similar or even worse. I can't mm-hmm. imagine. Um, mm-hmm. I do I do think if you're, you know, positive and you are sick, like, if I was visibly ill, I, it's so different to me. I feel like my mindset would have been way different. I would have um, still been sad, but I wouldn't have felt like the autonomy would have taken away stripped. from me yeah. yeah stripped from me yeah which is a much more you kind of feel like you're at their mercy you don't feel like you have free will mm-hmm. at all and it's it's horrible yeah so, yeah <laughs> so so uh get pregnant my son at that point so i think he was about a year and four months. He wasn't 18 months just yet. And I get pregnant with my daughter. And um, again, I, I knew I definitely wanted to be back. However, I had known a lot of other women who wanted to be back too and still ended up getting a second C-section. 
so they, and they would say that they're like, yeah, we're going to try for the feedback, but if it doesn't work, we'll have to do the C-section. And every woman I knew I spoke to that said that ended up with one. Mm-hmm. And as I was going through my pregnancy, I was trying to educate over time. And I was like, you know, what is it that they are missing that I don't want to miss? I am, because I did not want another C-section. I mm-hmm. did not want to ever go through that pain unnecessarily again. Obviously, listen, C-sections save babies. I'm Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And you know that, and you know that in so many ways they're, they're super important. But for me, I'm like, if I have a healthy pregnancy and a healthy baby and I don't have anything going on that would require that other than I had a C-section prior, then I'm going to do everything I can to not have another mm-hmm. one. Yeah. So I discovered VBAC link. Um, I want to say, and it's a bit further into my pregnancy. I want to say I was at least five months into my pregnancy. Yeah. How many weeks were we talking for that? It was twenty. Was it twenty? Twenty weeks is about five months, so probably a little over. It was a little over twenty weeks, and I discovered VBAC link, and I'm like, okay, like give this a shot. Like I already found a midwife. I didn't want an OB, Um, Mm -hmm. and my midwife that I had, I really liked her. She had two VBACs of her own. Awesome. Super adamant. I'm like, I do not want another C-section. Like she understood, and she she. Here's the thing, though. These providers. And I liked her. I'm not trying to make it seem like she did anything wrong, but they really, they don't educate women on what to do. And there are so many things that women can do to get themselves in the best situation to have a, a nice vaginal birth, potentially not even needing medicine. Like, mm-hmm. and, they just, and they don't. And I don't, I don't think that they, I don't know if it's that they don't on purpose, but a midwife is, she's not an OB. She's not going to give a C-section. So why wouldn't she? want to give the all the resources to her patients yeah. like like i didn't even know what spinning babies was until i listened to your podcast that i researched spinning babies and i do spinning babies and then so anyway so i i, I discover you guys or you ladies and um i started listening to you every day on my way to work and the stories were just so wonderful and i learned i learned a lot i learned that one of the big ones was find a hospital that is more likely to support a VBAC and has mm-hmm. a high success rate of a VBAC. Now, the hospital I picked, I was told, was a good one. You know, it's a good hospital. Nothing specific about childbirth or anything. It was fairly mm-hmm. close to me. I had known other people that have delivered there, and it was fine. But I'm like, you know what? Let's look at their success rate versus other ones. Their success rate was 7%. Oh, like, is that high or is that low? Oh, I don't that's know. That's low. <laughs> 7% that's of low. their success rate of VBAC. That's low. That's low. Yeah. So there's another hospital, and it's the one I ended up getting birth, and it was an hour away. It was had a birth, and most women I knew that gave birth there had the best experience. And it had mm. a, it, it's a hospital, right? And then it had a birthing center connected to it. Um, now, because I was VBAC, most birthing centers that are just birthing centers wouldn't have mm. let me go there because they, you know, got for the union emergency C-section. So that setup was great. And I looked at their VBAC success rate and it was 22%, which was the higher than seven. Higher. Yeah. I mean, I, now that you say that it was probably still fairly low, but in my area, that was the highest. High. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and now by the, by, so I had listened to your podcast for a few months and already I started getting like, scared. I'm like, you know, I don't have a doula. I don't really have the information that a lot of these women that you've interviewed have like, and now that I have it, and I was already at that point, I want to say seven months, 
and then my mm-hmm. pregnancy. I'm not going by weeks just because I don't know why I think months make more sense to me, but that's when I started becoming very much like doing even more research and being more like actively aware of my birth and wanting to make sure this birth goes better. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I find this hospital. So at that point I go, I'm giving birth at this hospital and no one's going to stop me. Mm-hmm. Um, but because I was already so close to, I was actually in my third trimester already. And I told my, so the way it worked was, I was very lucky. So my provider was a part of a bigger company and I, I'm not going to give out any names or anything. Um, unless you, should I, I don't know. If you have a supportive provider that you would suggest, I highly suggest okay. um, giving the name because okay. also uh, women of strength, if you're listening still, uh, we have a provider list we actually have that so we'll be adding this one to your list but if we have a if you guys have a provider that you suggest and highly suggest being feedback supportive especially if there's like multiple cesareans please send us that at info at the vbacklink.com because we want to add them to our list yeah okay yes i definitely will so at the time they were called caremount near the area i was um, but they just got bought out by a new company called Optum. But most, Optum. I think, adults of my age remember them as Caramel because it was super recent that they changed. So Optum was in my area now because they were big. They were also they also had a practice up near this hospital. So I called the practice up near the hospital and I said, "Listen, I'm like I've been going to a midwife down by me, but you have all of my information because it's all mm. in the same system." I said, "I want to go and go to your." office because i'm i want to deliver at this hospital Mm -hmm. can i say the name of the hospital yeah Mm -hmm. so it was northern duchess they're amazing they have a birthing center the staff there is incredible and yeah so i i said that's what i want and they they immediately were like well we don't take on patients so close to the end like this they're like but they're like given that you are in the system they're like i guess it's okay and I was just going to say to them, like, I don't care if it's allowed or not. I said, you're going to help me. Mm-hmm. And I'm just birth in that hospital, okay? And I also was like, and I don't want to see any OBs. I only want to see midwives. They still had me see, I think, two OBs. And it's actually fine because even their OBs were just better. They were more That's understanding. Cool. Yeah, they, and believe it or not, the male OB was even, which I was, I was so scared to see the male. And I know I, nothing against men, but because of the fact that my, my son, it was a man and he made that comment to me, like, mm-hmm. like treating me. I think they, I don't know if they didn't give him any kind of nickname, but I think he was like known for only really doing C-sections. Like mm-hmm. I just didn't, I was so scared to have a man. And especially because by the time I saw him, all right. So there's, well, so before I even get to that, so, so I do this switch. And at that point, again, I was listening to your podcast still, and I'm like, you know, I really should get a doula. And again, I was like in my 35th week or something, super yeah. close to the end. I'm like, I'm gonna, I need to get a doula. Like, I, I need this birth to be what I want it to be. So I find a doula in my area. She's amazing, and uh, she, she said the same thing. She's like, oh, she's like, we're, we're meeting pretty late, but it's okay. Like, super understanding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I told her about my whole horrible birth, and she looked at me and she goes, "You'd be surprised." that that story is super common not the covid part but the whole like the whole story yeah 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 also i think me being allergic to motrin and that recovery being so i hate to say it but traumatic for me because i Mm -hmm. when you're in so much pain and you're already in so much emotional pain it's just horrible 
So, um, so she was like, yep, super common story. She goes, no, you know, I just want you to know, we, I, I'm not going to guarantee you a you back, but you're going to get through this birth. It's going to be beautiful. You're going to have a wonderful connection with your baby. She said, don't even worry about the COVID thing anymore. It's really not at all what it was in 2020. Like, just try to think of all the positive things. And then she introduced me to spinning babies. I, you know, she, I, I was like, I started researching so much on my own and I was like, you know, should I do all the dates and the tea and the stretching mm-hmm. and the walking and she goes, do all of it. Just, you know, what they say, it, it is like an old wives tale, but it's not going to hurt Do all of it and take a deep breath. Cause I was, I started to get kind of almost obsessive at the time. Right. Mm-hmm. I even made a, a joke to my provider on a, on a, on a appointment. And I was like, I'm sure it says in my file and the crazy feedback girl. And he like laughed. He's like, <laughs> it doesn't say that, but like I was, I was just very determined. And again, your podcast helped me so much because there were, you know, so many women that have gone through so many other things and had to work even harder to get the providers that they wanted and get the support they wanted. And, um, you know, it's, it's so important and it's so wonderful that you have it. And yeah. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thanks for being with us. So then, uh, yeah. So I, change the provider, I get the hospital, I get the doula, and then I start those last, I want to say five weeks. I'm walking every day. I'm doing eating disgusting amount of dates. I don't think I'll ever eat a date again. <laughs> um, I'm sure I'm sure you've heard that, but it's true. Doing the tea and doing what else? I was doing these stretches I saw on YouTube every night. Um, my husband was very supportive. He was also a little scared of me. He was kind of like, oh my God, if this girl doesn't have a feedback, what's going to happen to the world? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was very intense about it. And then, uh, yeah, we just waited and waited. And then towards the end, this is, this part was scary for me is that, so I also joined this evidence based feedback Facebook group and it was not, <laughs> I can tell by your face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was not what I thought it was going to be. No, unfortunately, I, because I did this all kind of late. You know, by the time I was up to forty weeks, I went on that on that page maybe a week before, maybe thirty nine weeks or something, and I started reading, and I'm like, oh my god, like <laughs> this is now now I'm terrified. I'm terrified yeah. to go into labor now. Yeah. Um, so note to listeners: please don't go on that Facebook page. <laughs> Join the VBAC link community. Yes, 100%. <laughs> Shameless plug right there. Our community, I think, is just one of a kind. Oh, 100%. And it, so, but the thing is, at that point in time, to read any of that at 39 weeks, mm-hmm. it put me into like a feared mode. And I, I, at 40 weeks, I started like almost crying every day that I wasn't going into labor. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go into labor at 39 weeks, um, but that likelihood, I think, was very low because I was late with my son. Mm-hmm. I didn't even technically go into labor with my son. I was 40, with my son, I was 40 weeks and five days that they induced me. Mm-hmm. So uh, from 40 weeks on, again, because of reading those posts, I started really freaking out. I was crying. I was calling my doula every day. I'm like, I'm not going to labor. I, you know, I really don't want a uterine rupture. I'm scared. I'm this, I'm that. She, and she was so great. She just was like, you need to relax. Everything's going to be fine. She said, if something bad was really going to happen, it could have already happened, you know? And my other, one of my best friends, she's a nurse and she actually was a nurse in an OB's office for a while. And every time I would go to talk to her, she would go, you need to stop. She'd be like, anything could happen. Spiraling. Yeah. Yeah. Like 
And but it it was good to have that. It was good to have somebody say like anything that could happen. Like you can't sit there and say just because you're having this thing, like which is unique to you, that you want to have a V bag. That doesn't mean that you're definitely going to have something bad happen. You could have a perfectly healthy pregnancy and everything be fine, and then something bad could happen. Like you can't worry about it. It's not in your hands right now. You need to just relax. And that was a tough part, though. Just going through that uh, week, and then I started getting really bad prodromal labor about a week mm. after, so about forty-one weeks. I started getting it really bad, and I kept thinking, "I'm like, should I go to the hospital? Like, is this it? Can I get the baby mm-hmm. out?" Now? I'm so excited. And my doula every time would go, "No, no, no, no. You're not going near that hospital at all right now." Like, thank yeah. God she said that. So then, um, you know, I think I had prodromal labor for about three days or four days or something. And then finally, the final day, my mom was over and I was in so much pain just from all of this cordomal labor. I'm like, something's not right today. She comes over and she looks at me and she's like, you're like an act of labor. She's like, I can see your stomach (gasps) contracting. (laughs) I'm like, but I called. I do it that I shouldn't go. I don't know what to do. Mm. I had already lost my mucus plug a couple days before that. I had never gone through anything like that, right? Nothing like my You're getting into labor though. Yeah. Yeah. So my, but my mom, you know, again, five kids, she goes, no, no. She's like, this is not your, this is labor now. Like you really should go. And I think if she even talked to my doula two nights before that, cause I thought two nights before that I was going into labor and my doula was saying to my mom, she's like, no, not yet. She's not ready yet. And mm-hmm. she was so smart. I don't know how she knew that. So at that point I said, I called my doula again. She goes, you know what? Your mom's probably right. If that's, if I was timing them, I don't remember what the times were. But they were so strong. I think my mom was like, I don't even think it matters. You're in like, this is labor now. Mm-hmm. Get to the hospital. And I was 100% abased and Yay. five centimeters dilated. Something mm-hmm. Getting ready to get into active labor right there. Was, turning that transition. I, that, yes. She tells me that. I was COVID negative. I was like, I was like, the, the clouds were opening up. Like it just yeah. falling into place. Um, and the only thing is, and this is a total okay thing, was that my doula had another birth that night. Oh, so no. she couldn't go. But, oh, and I forgot to mention this. But, um, so she already knew she was going to not be there. So she actually called a backup doula. Mm-hmm. And the backup doula, this was, this was actually the morning before I went into the hospital. I call her. We have a nice conversation. She's like, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be available. She's really sweet. And I go, I'm having a lot of prodromal labor and it's really uncomfortable and I'm tired. And I'm like, I just don't know what to do. Like, when should I go? And she goes, Okay, well, it's your second pregnancy, totally normal. She goes, why don't you just go on like a two-hour walk? Mm. Like, <laughs> two-hour walk. <laughs> like, meanwhile, I was already walking every day for like two months. I'm like, a two-hour walk. I'm like struggling to like sit. I'm like, okay. So she told me that at like 9 a.m. I go on a two-hour walk and listen, I was at the hospital by 4 p.m. that day. So <laughs> she totally knew. And, and then she ended up coming and she was... Yes so sweet and amazing. I had never even met her before. So yeah. I would totally recommend either doula if anyone's asking. Um, and, you know, if it means anything, their rates were nothing crazy. Because I, I actually, I looked into a bunch of doulas, which, again, I got from your podcast that you want to really yeah. interview your doulas and make sure you know your doulas. And their rates were super reasonable and they were both wonderful. So, awesome. yeah. So, she, so that all fell into place, right? And I'm just starting to have my contractions. And she was there to do all of this, like, we did lunges together and all the movements together. She put me in all the right positions and I ended up not needing an epidural. Mm-hmm. Um, let me, let me rephrase that. <laughs> I ended up 
not having to require an epidural, even though I was, it was very, very painful. Um, but it was very welcome pain. Um, and I was in labor for about 14 hours. It was a long, long day. And well, I, I made a birth playlist, which I did for my son too. And I never even got to really use it. And one moment in, in during labor of that particular experience was the doula goes, you know, she's like, this was around six centimeters, maybe seven. She said, she goes, why don't you go dance with your husband and just get your hands mm. playing. And I had my, my birthless on and I think it was like a Justin Timberlake and I want to say Beyonce song. It was like a very romantic, lovey-dovey mm. song. And we're just standing there and the lights are off and we were dancing and he was just like, it was just so beautiful. And I, the nurse told me after, and I, you know, when you're in labor, you're not totally aware of your surroundings. Yeah. She told me like the next day, baby was born, everything. She goes, I almost started crying when I saw mm. you and your husband standing there dancing and just loving it. Such a precious moment. So, so nice. Both her and the doula, I think I, I remember were kind of off to the side standing there and it was just, it was just so wonderful. And yeah. And you know, she got me through labor and I had to push for a solid, I think, hour, um, which was fine. You know, I mean, it was, it was really painful. At one point I screamed, I'm like, someone has to help me. Like, I couldn't, <laughs> you know, it was really hard, but she was there. Like, I, I give a lot of credit to her. You know, she, she did all these things to help me feel comfortable and safe. Mm -hmm. And like, I was with someone who was going to make sure I was going to be okay. And, yeah. um, yeah, and the midwife came, and I loved the midwife. She was wonderful. I had met her before. She was very knowledgeable. She wasn't necessarily, mm. like, the most nurturing. She was much more like, I've given birth to, like, thousands of babies. I've done V-backs before. We got this. No problem. At one point, she came in, and she was worried my contractions had slowed down. But then right after she left, the doula was like, all right, let's, get, let's go. Get up. Like, I'm going to run yeah. your feet. And then we're going to do this. We're going to put you on the peanut. We're going to, like, all the things to, like, you know. Because she knew I didn't want an epidural, I, yeah. I am I am curious having the doula there if uh, that's why they didn't push anything on me. They didn't push hmm. anything, you know. Good. A part of me is curious, but I also think that the hospital is known to not do that. Like my sister gave birth to her second baby there; they didn't push anything on her. Yeah. So now again, you want to go to a good hospital that's yes, you do take care of you. And baby came out and. How big was she? She was seven pounds eight ounces. My son was eight pounds five ounces. So he yeah. really wasn't even that big. No, I could have gotten him out. No, right? He wasn't. Yeah. No. No, I actually forgot to mention that before. Yeah, he wasn't even that big. That they gave me all that that nonsense and uh, yeah, and just everything about her birth was wonderful. She went right on my breast. She watched not right mm. away, but within twenty four hours, she was yeah. eating fine and. We just, we've, it's been, it was wonderful. And I didn't have to change rooms or anything. They let me stay in the same room. I got to get up and walk around. You know, I, yeah, it was just, it was mm -hmm. exactly the experience that I had wanted. Yeah. yeah. I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy that you could have that more healing, redemptive experience where you felt the love, you felt that connection, you had the people there for you, you felt safe. You weren't being pushed. You weren't having people rushing in like you were some scary alien. You know, you weren't having these things that honestly doesn't help our cervix dilate. Like, you know, there's so many things with your first story where I'm like, you know, if we can create a special environment, a comfortable environment for us, that is going to help us 
progress in labor. And so, you know, we know one of the number one reasons for a cesarean is failure to progress. And a lot of the times, I don't think, you know, it's really not like there's a lot of the times it's like situational, like we did this, this baby's position, something like that. But a lot of the times I think it's truly the environment and what we've got going on. And if we feel safe because our bodies are smart, if we don't feel safe, if we don't feel comfortable, we're not going to progress, (laughs) you know, we're not going to have those things. And so, yeah. So I'm just so, so happy for you. And I'd love to touch on a couple signs um, of time to switch your provider or time to switch your location, right? Because I think it's one of the most daunting things to Mm. change your provider mid-pregnancy. It can be hard, right? Yeah. And or, and or change your location. I changed my provider and my location at 24 weeks and it was it was a little it was emotional a little bit too yeah. you know and it was just like oh i hope it's okay and i don't want to hurt any feelings and this and that and mm-hmm. anyway just so much right yeah. so we have some blogs um on so many topics that we've talked about today but number one i want to talk a little bit of some of those warning signs because yeah. like you said you they looking back you're like oh that was a warning sign that was a yeah. warning sign that was a warning sign but you weren't in that space right and and sometimes that's how it goes. Same thing. Yeah. I had, I look back and I'm like, oh, whoa, <laughs> I could have, yeah. I should have, I should have switched. So uh, one, I want you to know women of strength, it's okay to switch hundred yeah. percent. We mm-hmm. do have that provider list. If you are looking for a provider in your area or you start hearing some of these signs and you're like, oh crap, <laughs> yeah. a lot of those fit. Email us info at the vbacklink.com. And remember VBAC is spelled V-B-A-C instead of vback um, link.com email us and our team will get you that list okay so warning signs recommending a third trimester ultrasound to check on the baby's size so when you go in for that you know 20 week ultrasound and they're like "Ooh, this baby is big right there that's a huge warning sign and i'm just gonna say if your doctor's talking about your baby being big in general that's that's a red flag it's yeah. a red flag because that means that they are starting to doubt your confidence, their, you know, your ability, their confidence in you is going down to get that mm-hmm. baby out. And they will probably push things like induction and all those things, right? Yeah. So talking about your placenta dying, they you they actually yeah. use these words. Your placenta yeah. could die if you go past 40 weeks pregnant or if past 41 weeks pregnant. Not true, not needed. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, it's no. So you don't need to have a uh, an induction just because you're 40 weeks. Your placenta is okay. So yeah, making those like one offhand comments of like, oh, your baby's big. Your pelvis could be too small. You know, you're looking big. Your pelvis is you're really a petite person. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't like that. Refusing to let you go past 40 weeks. Refusing to induce at all. If your provider is re- it completely refusing to induce you because you are a VBAC, they are not following evidence-based mm-hmm. care. I cannot tell you that enough. We see it in our community all the time where it's, I can't be induced because I'm a VBAC. You can. False. False, yeah. false, false, false. Big F. <laughs> false. <laughs> now, is induction ideal? It could be less ideal, right? We It's less ideal. No, it could be. It is. It is less mm-hmm. ideal. But mm-hmm. it is not impossible. If you are facing an induction or a C-section, do the research, learn about it, 
know that it is still possible. And you will not just for sure rupture because you're induced with Pitocin. That's another myth out there. Overemphasizing the risk of uterine rupture, telling you that you, you know, you last time didn't have good success, so you're unlikely to have good success this time, putting yeah. doubt there, and so much more. We actually have a blog about it. We're going to put it in the show notes today on 10 signs. It might be time to switch your provider. Um, and then I also think that there's some really good tips for preparation. You talked about that. You did the spinning babies. You yeah. ate dates until you're literally probably couldn't eat anymore or you can't Ugh. even stand the smell of them. Um. You did all of these things. So preparing, preparing for birth, getting you, you did, you got the doula, you found yeah. the location, you researched your area, you found your birthing location, you found your hospital midwife, you found a VBAC doula, even in the end of pregnancy, you can find a doula. And if you didn't know, we have a resource online, vbaclink.com. You can find a doula that's, that's actually VBAC certified. Um, they've taken our course. They understand all the things about VBAC. They can help you find that supportive provider. They can help you have that confidence. They can help you and see those moments of like, this is a really great time. Go dance with your husband. Let's release the oxytocin yes. naturally. You know, yes. oh, yes. this is prodromal labor. Maybe don't go to the hospital right now. This is what you could do instead. Okay. Yes. You know, those types of things. Talk Mental prep. <laughs> yes. Talk you off the ledge. <laughs> Mental preparation. Preparing. We have the VBAC link course. We have the blogs, we have the story, we have the communities. This is what this is for, you know, mental prep, finding finding the confidence, processing your op reports, these things, physical prep. So doing those things, eating, drinking the tea, making sure you've got good nutrients, like our favorite needed, right? Like where you're making sure that you're taking care of yourself nutritionally so you can also prep, you know, in the other ways and so many more. So we'll make sure to have that. We're going to have blogs and books and things to suggest in the bottom of the show notes. I think that this story, although it did start off with a heartbreaking experience, like I could see you, I could feel it. Your experience yeah. is hard. And it's, it's three and a half years ago, you said, and it's still, you're, it's, it's still yeah. with you. And these experiences stay with us. And I think that's where we owe ourselves. We owe it to ourselves to give us the best experience, to put us in the best situation possible. And sometimes I think that's, oh, well, a doula could be more expensive. Oh, taking a course is a lot. But like in the grand scheme of things, if we look back at our experiences, like my first two C-sections, like even my second, like I had educated pretty okay. I'd say okay, <laughs> not great. Mm -hmm. I, if I would have looked back and said, like, if I would have taken the course to help me know that information, if I would have hired the doula to help me feel not so backed in a corner, you know, absolutely. Like, yeah, I would have paid that no matter what, yeah, you know, yeah. um, money is but of no value at that point. It's of no value. And it is money is a huge thing in this world, especially with the way our world is going, right? Money yeah, is a big deal. Yeah. But in the end, you deserve it. You deserve right. to get those prenatal massages, to go to the chiropractor, to get those prenatal vitamins that are going to truly help you. You're going to, you deserve these things. Right. So women of strength, it's okay to spoil yourself for your birth. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Recognize these things, get the tools we can. So in the end, even if it ends in a repeat cesarean, it can hopefully be a more healing experience. You're going to know the things, you're going to know your options, you're going to know you did everything. I just think there's so much power in all of these, in these two stories all along the way. 
that you can take from this. I also, I think too, you're, you may, one thing I never even really thought about, if you're a mother and you have had children and you've had wonderful births, you've had wonderful vaginal births, mm-hmm. don't, still support new mothers that are pregnant to do those things anyway. Because just because maybe it didn't work for you, they might need it. Like, again, my mother had five natural mm-hmm. births. She didn't, she didn't have a door. She had none of that. And she made it seem like it was like that. She made it seem like, just go to the hospital. Like, they'll take care of you. And that's mm-hmm. what I did. I read baby books and everything, but I did not think I was going to be one of those moms. And I was. We none of us do, really. None of us do. But I just think if you, just because it was okay for you and everything was okay for you, if you know a mother and she's nervous or something, give her, tell her to say, you know what? Get a doula. It's going to help you. It's going to guide you. Like, did I need it? No. But if you're nervous and if you you know, do it anyway. What's going to, it's only going to make things better. It's going to lessen your stress. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, take a course, do the, the support women anyway with those resources so that it could avoid them from falling into those same pitfalls. which I just think now it maybe it's like a generational thing. I don't think my mother had a lot of those pressures when she was giving birth to children back mm-hmm. then. I don't really know, but that was my guess because she was my main resource and mm-hmm. you know, so yeah, if you've had good birth, still support other new moms to to have more support and resources at at their, you know, luxury, even if you didn't need it at the time, because they might, you know. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for being here with me thank today you. and letting me go off on this little passionate rant at the end. <laughs> um, thank you. For, I feel like I talked so much. I'm like, oh my God. And I, there was still stuff. I'm like, oh, I didn't share that. And I, I don't know what it is, why you want to share so much. It's just, oh, Yeah. Just these so stories matter to us. They matter to us and they matter to everybody listening. So women of strength, thank you for listening today. I hope, and I, I'm sure that you took some information out of these stories and yeah. Remember that yeah. we're always accepting stories also for social media. So if you ever yeah. want to share your stories on social media, email us at info at the VBAClink.com. Would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Head over to the VBAClink.com slash share to submit your story. For information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, the worldwide database for VBAC doulas, and more, head over to the VBAClink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.